Welcome to episode 867 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 867 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I am pretty good, Bevan. How about yourself? A bit rushed this morning, mate. A bit rushed. Got to head off to Wanaka. Wanaka? What's in Wanaka? Uh, the New Zealand Secondary School's Triathlon Champs. Now, we've got Hayden Wild, mm-hmm. who is gun o gun right now. Mm-hmm. Any kids coming through you going, hmm? There's a few that are okay, but not a hand while special. They've got a few that are pretty good. I know we we're talking about before we even done the main part of the show, but was Hayden always obviously going to be this good? Like, no, because he, he didn't come through the development program. He was just, uh, yeah, he was just off doing random things, did exterior, did a bit of everything. So, but was he was he a running kid? What kind of kid was he? Um, I don't think he read. I think he just did a bit of everything. I think he was just sporty. Yeah, was he in New Zealand ripping anything? Don't believe so. And they started triathlon. Mm. And Couldn't then, swim for shit. Got a pretty reasonable swimmer now. So. Did you see a piece on the news about him the other night? Mm-hmm. They had a piece saying he's been using the Belgium coach, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Just for swimming. It made a massive difference. Mm. Mm. So there you go. Let's see. I'm talking apparently brought to you by. Our fantastic patrons. Good old Gavin the Big Brew Duffy. Aid, Aiden, Mr. Moo Mulan. And then we've got the mighty Rob Flynn. Uh, if you want to be a picture of the show, go to www.iamtalk.me. Uh, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic, controversial. Uh, we've got a web pro of the week, Coach's Corner. What are you doing? Well, I thought now I'm deep into my, well, not deep, I'm a few weeks into my rote build up. Uh, most weeks, I thought I might focus on a key session or a key aspect that I've really worked on for this particular week, and hopefully, sharing some of that knowledge might help people who are maybe preparing for a later season race uh, and they can use those sessions. Okay, and then we've got our history week. This may, may be a history lesson. Well, we'll see how time's going. John's time pressure, so it might not be. <laughs> if there's a history lesson, it means we had time. Uh, questions and answers, wing of the week. Okay, let's go into it. So not a lot of racing. It's interesting, not much racing, racing's happening right now. It's that time of the year, sort yeah. of in between seasons. New Zealand season's wound down. I think we pretty much had our last race of the, the season uh, at the weekend, and Aussies are still sort of having their tail end of their season. Uh, and then what's, we'll what's the big Ironman in Australia now? Because um, they don't have Ironman Australia anymore, do they? Probably, you'd probably st- well, Cairns, Cairns would be the biggest one. Because Australia, uh, yeah, yeah, but Western Australia usually gets. Uh, so you got Western Australia, Cairns. Um, you got Ironman Australia, which is at Port Macquarie. Oh, Port Macquarie. Mm, so uh, three. I think that's it off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Back so, in a day, Australia was so hard to get into. They only one race a year. Foster, Foster. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was one of the big races on the calendar. And if you're an Australian to get into it, you had to do a half qualify. And it was really hard to qualify for. Mm. And then, you know, moved on and maybe some would say matured since then. So it's not so elite you know. Mm. Everyone can give it a crack, which, you know, you can argue either way. Either way but now there's three, four Ironmans. Pick and choose a bit. Okay, so we did have a couple of 70.3s. They are kind of Australian-based. We did the Hell of the West. A very long-standing race. So Max Newman smoked everybody in that one by eight minutes. And Ashley Gentle uh, caned it as well, winning by 3.45. So it's a little bit shorter than a half Ironman, um, but very long-standing race, and the, and the Aussies love it. Okay, and then we had the G-Long 70.3, and Grace Thick took it out. 
And Mike Phillips, another good race. He caned them on the bike. Did uh, he? So Mike, so Geelong is uh, just sort of part of Melbourne, essentially, I think. Yep. Uh, and Mike's coming off Ironman New Zealand, which was, what, th- three weeks ago, where he had an awesome victory. And he went over there and just annihilated them on the bike and sounded like he was suffering like a dog in the last 10K of the run, um, but had it under control, won by 39 seconds over Stephen uh, McKenna, who has been going pretty good. So Mike Phillips, hopefully, yeah. You know, the thing is, you put in a good performance there, um, but that'll be a bronze level race. Uh, so at least you'll get some points. Um, so oh, it was actually a silver tier race. So that's good because uh, he just needs to get a few points because he it hasn't really raced for much at all for the last uh, eighteen months. So hopefully he'll move up the rankings. And then over in the Philippines, uh, we had Sarah Crowley win in front of Lauren Brandon at the Davayol seventy point three and Philippe Azevedo. Uh, took out the boys' race in three hours fifty one oh nine. What's the reckon the best you think Mike could pull off in Kona or now in Nice? Well, because he's such a big unit, uh, Nice might be slightly different. Yeah. Um, but he is a big, he is a big solid boy. He is, isn't he, for a um, future athlete? But he's exceptionally good on the bike. But on the hilly courses, um, hard to know. On the plus side, you know his bike skills are going to be really really good he's yep. done a lot of bike racing he's done like a tour of Southland in New Zealand he was actually on a, a team with George Bennett who's a oh, pro, really? pro, yep. pro rider uh, in the UAE Emirates team uh, and he, I think Mike was basically the guy he just go put in front and yep. uh, he'd just pull, pull everybody along um, so I don't know uh, if he races exceptionally well you know I think uh, you know a, a, around a tenth is, is achievable Um but the hills because he has had some good races. Like unfortunately, got that 2019 was a really good year for him. He won New Zealand. He won Challenge Melbourne. He won Taronga Half. He got second in Bustleton, second in the Philippines, eighth in Cairns, which is probably not as good as he'd hoped for. But then he did a 39th in Hawaii, and then kind of COVID. But his hit. first, his first um, Kona, I think he got about uh, 15th or something like that. Okay, so 16th, yeah, 16th. So I think you know for those big dudes um, coming out coming out of New Zealand, Kona's going to be tough. Nice will be better for him, uh, and he can run. Not as fast as the top top dudes, but he's the run course record holder. Yeah, uh, he's run faster than people like Joe Skipper at Ironman New Zealand. He's so, at two forty-seven this year. Yeah, but he's then, done two forty uh, at Ironman New Zealand. So if he can put it all together, you know, he's he will swim with the the, the main front group. Uh, he should be able to keep up pretty pretty well on the bike. And you know, if you pull off a two forty, you're probably going to do reasonably well. So let's go top ten for Mike. If we look at Nice, and we've probably already talked about this, but if we look at Nice. Of the athletes who have traditionally been hurt because it's in Kona, what type of athlete will do best in Nice? Uh, well, you would think the, the the basically the people that can't handle the heat, and that's not always down to size. Initially, you go, oh, because yeah, you know, Melina couldn't, thing. and he's not a big guy. Mm. So basically, the people that that that, uh, that don't handle the heat. Um, so some would say, you know, the. The people that probably hide in the pack a bit on the bike, they're going to be the ones that suffer, but they're often the smaller dudes. Like if you think about someone like a Patrick Langer, you might think, oh, he's going to get dominated here because there's not going to be a pack to ride with and maybe he's sat in the group. But he's a smaller athlete, so he might excel on some of those climbs. Um, True. The ones that I'm interested to, more the, the lanky people, and someone like a Fredino, I don't really know how well he'll ride in the hills. He might ride exceptionally well, but I'm not quite sure. Yep. So... Uh, I don't know. Time will tell. We we don't. Nobody knows. We can speculate all we want. What about females? We've never had. When we think about thought. female athletes, there doesn't seem to be as much of a broad range of body types. Uh, yeah, you're right. 
You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like when mm. you, you know, consider- yeah, you've got some really small athletes like um, Anne Howe, yep. who's tiny, and you have like slightly like like Leanne Cave was kind of tall. Oh yeah, yeah she was. You tall. know, but but not but, like extremes like men. No, there is seem to be. You've either got small or medium. You haven't got large. Yeah, and it's a more of a it's a, it's a com- more compact field of body types. If you get what I mean. Mm. Yeah. So, but in female body types, it probably doesn't affect it as much. Yeah, I think it'll come down to bike handling skills will be the big thing there. So again, you know, I've talked about Lionel Sanders probably not having much of a chance there. Yeah. Uh, and someone like Lucy Charles is going to just shed so much time on that course on the technical downhills and stuff. She's not technical, so, at all, is she? No. So. Uh, yeah. But she has been bike racing. But she, they're not racing these this year, so it doesn't really yeah, matter. Good point. <laughs> Very good point. Okay, the Race Ranger continues to develop. It will be at the World Triathlon Long Course Champions in Ibiza. Uh, they'll be testing in Tauranga, Wanaka. Or they have tested at Tauranga, Wanaka, I mean New Zealand, and Geelong. Um, so that's going to be awesome. Them. Great to see New Zealand companies doing well. Mm. And you would hope like hell that the PTO are going to have it at their races because they're going to have stacked fields and they're you know, a bit shorter. Uh, and so you, there's a high chance of packs forming. So fingers crossed we see them at the PTO races and I would imagine we'll see them at um, some challenge races, the big ones like Challenge Road. Okay, pretty exciting weekend then coming up because we've got the Oceanside in California, isn't it? It is. And it's one that Fredino traditionally turns up to and he's doing it again. So it's our first taste of Fredino in a while, isn't it? Yep, and I went on uh, today. That I saw OBS Try is back in action and they probably have been in action all the way through, but OBSTry.com, you can do your fantasy picks. And uh, so I got there, I put Fredino in second place for me. Uh, so it's a... It's a Really decent field on both the the boys it's and the female side. Uh, massive field that concerns me a little bit that there'll be some uh, some horrendous drafting out there. Uh, unfortunately, Lionel Sanders is out. He always adds a bit of spice to the mix. Um, I don't reckon he would have uh, won this race, but uh, yeah, you've got this is like not far off a world championship field. You know, it's 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 as strong as you're going to get anywhere outside of world champs. You have got Sam Long, Ben Canute, Mickey Tauchelt, Jason West, uh, Jackson Laundry. Chris Leifman, a whole bunch of other people, and then right down at the bottom, because he does not have a ranking, is Jan Fredino. And the interesting thing here is um, he's obviously going to do these PTO races, but to do a PTO race, you have to be ranked in the top whatever it is. I can't remember off the yep. top of my head, 30, 35, 40, so whatever it is. So he kind of has to win, doesn't he? Um, I thought he'll get a wild card regardless. Well, do you get a wild card only at the Collins Cup? Or yeah. do you get wild cards at PTO races as I'm well? I'm not sure. But because uh, you get the picks in the Collins Cup, actually he, he won't be in the top because he'll only have one result from this, and you you need three results yeah. to have a, a decent score. So they'll they'll have to give him a wild card, and you'd just think it's crazy if they didn't. No. The other name on there that I've actually picked for the win is Leo Bagier. So uh, look out for that French dude. To Mickey Tackle. It's a name that's not familiar to me. Uh, well, well, it should be because we've interviewed him. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, he got where did he go? He got some. The reason we interviewed him, he had a really good race. Somewhere it was either at the World Champs or it was uh, what did Let's he have a look here? He got a second in California. Hmm. He got fourth at the World Champs in twenty twenty one at seventy point three World Champs. That's probably why oh, I okay. interviewed him around there. Uh, and he got sixth at the World Champs last year, so uh, tenth at the PTO Canadian Open. So good, good athlete. 
So boys race should be riveting and we've got a number of really good stories on the female side as well because you have Paula Finlay who's the highest ranked athlete here, uh, Chelsea Sedaro coming off Kona, Holly Lawrence is always good and then Kat Matthews who's coming back from her horrendous accident, she is not going to be anywhere near her best by the sounds of it but it'll just be interesting to see where she's at, Jackie Herring, Tamara Jewett, again high quality field, uh, I'm picking probably Paula Finlay or probably take it out um, but yeah the, the, the interesting ones for me is to see how Chelsea Sedaro goes this season after you know pulling a bit of a bit of an upset win in Kona and uh, and also to see if Kat Matthews can get back to her best because we know that you know she's the only female to go sub eight hours yeah it was draft uh, draft assisted but it was still an amazing performance what she did last year at that was it sub eight sub sub seven I, I'm really interested to see how Fredina goes this weekend now he may not be that fit at the moment. He might not be total peak. Um, he may be. He may be coming into it. So it, it, it'll be really interesting to see. Like, if he doesn't go well, do we read into it that much or do we just say he's not quite peak yet? But realistically, he's only got five months. Yeah, no, he's, he'll, be, he'll, be on, he'll be on it. He'll yeah, be you think, on it. You think he's coming in yeah, fired up? I still think Leo Bajir will win. I think if it comes down to a, a pure running race, I think Leo Bajir would have it over him. Uh, and if it was a big pack coming in, there's maybe one or, one or two others like Jason West who could um, upset the, the apple cart a little bit there. But uh, he's going to be there or thereabouts. So a question I have for you. I've asked you yes, a lot. he's going to win Nice. Was that? Yes, he's going to win Nice. Who? Fredino. No, well, no. Uh, it's not... Who do you think is going to win? Who do you want to win? Uh, you know, per female, like, you know, because you might say, okay, Fredino is the best athlete. I think he's going to win. Mm. But actually, in your heart, who do you want to win the most? Oh, yeah. Uh, Fredino would be right up there. Just, no, no, just no, not right up there. Who do you want to win? Yeah, Fredino then. Okay. Yeah, who do you want to win? I, I think I, I'd like him to win because I think his, his legacy got hurt with COVID. Mm. You know, he would have won one over the last couple of years if, if you know, if all things had gone to plan. Um, and I know he wanted to go to Kona, but I think this probably adds more to his legacy. If he wins, yeah. it means you can win outside of Kona as well. Because he's won three, hasn't he? Three or four? Yeah, three or four. Yeah, th- yeah. so um, what about female? Um, I mean, Lucy. Yeah. You can't get four, six yeah, seconds. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, oh, but she's in Kona for the female, so she's got a legit chance of uh You've you got Kona. no faith in her niece? No, none. <laughs> so she better win it this year. Yeah. Okay, we've also got some big names at the Challenge Grand Canera. Um, what's happening Sam there? Sam Lalo, Florian Anger, Aaron Royal, Patrick Langer is coming out of the box for the first time of the year. And Ruth Astle, Indy Lee, and Svenja Thos on the female side. Beautiful race over there. Boys field is strong. Strength of field is 86.91. And the females is 74.47. So should be, uh, whilst not Ironman racing, it's uh, going to be some good half distance racing we had a world cup in new plymouth here in new zealand over the weekend and the field was what kind of field was it obviously had a while to talk it out but it's probably because it's his local race he looked like he dominated it, Joe. Yeah, it was an absolute crushing yeah. uh, so and he didn't even look like he was puffing really to be honest um still ran a 14 30 for 5k <laughs> uh so uh it, yeah, it was not a, a high-class field, but it's a, still a really international field, and the Kiwis kicked some ass, you know. When you look down the list, yeah, there's a number of Kiwi names, but you've got, you know, 50, we've got 57 starters, probably 10 of them are Kiwis, so it's a really international field, but the Kiwis kicked ass going first and second, um, so that was good it to see. It was a sprint for second, quite exciting. 
Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was kind of a three-way sprint for for second. Um, so Dylan McCulloch just pu- pulled off a little bit, and then you yeah, Taylor Reed and Ricardo Batista from Portugal. Yeah, they were gunning it uh, head to head to head. So, yeah, and it was uh, initially they gave it to the other dude, and then they reversed it and gave it to oh, Taylor really? Reed. So yeah. That's going to be heartbreaking. Top two for the Kiwis. And then likewise on the female side, um, we had a Kiwi take that out, and which is good to see. Nicole Vanderkay and Ainsley Thorpe uh, winning that. Um, but the interesting part of the day was to see how Gwen Jorgensen went. And sadly, it was not a great performance. Uh, she finished in 14th place. So her downfall was missing the pack on the bike. Um, and interestingly, other people that swam around the same time um, made the group uh, and she didn't. So we have a girl from Christchurch um, who she came through our junior program, Bria Roderick, did really well. She finished in 11th place. She's still pretty young. She's only 21. Um, she swam 10.27 and then Gwen Jorgensen was 10.26. Bria made the group and Gwen Jorgensen didn't and the, gr- the group lost uh, uh, about a minute or so and then Gwen Jorgensen only ran 16.25, which was definitely one of the fastest yeah, runs. Yeah, it was the third fastest run, so, so it's all decent. Solid, but when you look at the calibre of the field, Nicole van der Kay and Ainsley Thorpe, you know, they're sort of top 10 at best uh, okay. on the World Tri-Series, you know. Um, so you've got to say, and I'm not bagging on uh, on Gwen. Gwen Jorgensen, but she's only been back doing the sport for a few months. She's had two babies and... She's got a very short period of time to improve, but yeah, because she's trying to. She stated her goal was to get to the American team, hmm. which means uh, you've got to be in the top two or three. And how many Americans are in front of her right now? A lot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, so she had one. There was one Erica Ackerland who was seeded number one for this event. She only finished in seventh place, but you know she was well in front of her. And then there's all the females that are on the World Tri Series. So uh, I thought she'd do better than this, um, but maybe that's being a bit harsh because again, you're only five months back in the sport, and it's when was she Rio 2016? It's seven six, years. six seven years that she's been out of the sport. Yeah, she's been running, but again, two babies. Quite a bit older than everybody else. So what's she? She's eighty six. So fourteen. She's thirty seven. Um, it's going to be a big ass. You wouldn't put your house on it, would you? Hats off to her for trying, but geez, it's uh, it's going to be a big task. I think what's cool is that she's trying, and it'd be a great story if you could pull it off. But if I was putting money on it, unfortunately, I wouldn't be putting money. I on just it. hate to be in her position. Because she's had years of not achieving running when she set these massive yeah. goals, and it's just year after year, and it's been happening for like five or six years. It's like confidence would be really, really hard to have your confidence high. Um, anyway, good luck to her. Uh, there was also a European Cup race over in uh, Portugal. Guy uh, Vettel Thorne took that out. He's a good, uh, another good Norwegian athlete. Johnny Brownlee only got seventh place on the females' side. Uh, Cassandra Bulgrand took that out pretty convincingly. Uh, I'd love to see her do well at the Olympics um, on home soil and sort of throw another cat amongst the pigeons. She won by about 45 seconds over Audrey Merle. <laughs> um, yeah. Interesting times, interesting times. Okay, uh, discussion of the week, John. Now, discussion of the week was controversial, and we got a bit of criticism in it. So, and fair enough, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What aspects of triathlon or other endurance sports makes you think, what a tosser, that guy or girl is just a poser? And we've got a lot of feedback on it, but we've also got uh, Mick Simpson was kind of disappointed in us. 
Uh, I'm trying to find it. There's so many of them there. Um, where are they? Um, you start. You know, basically, the criticism was, why are we shitting on people? Yeah. Which I think is fair enough to say. Totally. Yep. Uh, also, Dan Dickinson, not much. Although it does get to me when someone wins their age group and claims a race win, making it look like they win, they had an overall win. Apart from that, I love the sport and everything about it. Um, 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 Richard Swanee knows got when people on the sidelines, especially Ironman, talking about how crap the competitors are or how they could smash him <laughs> or how they could easily grab a Kona slot. <laughs> I totally get that. Lucy Francis in triathlon when men ride, men ride faster to overtake me only to slow down once in front. Um, when, I get, when I get hit in the water during the swim by someone who can't swim in a straight line, uh, I can see they're going off course and I just have to let them go on their merry way. Christine McKinley's got not triathlon but dudes at the gym who wear huge beats by Dre headphones on. iPhone stripped around the bicep, sorry. Makes me chuckle. Now I've got to be honest, at the gym, I actually don't mind that so much because the gym's the environment. When you see people running, I don't think they're dickheads, but when you see people running with them on, <laughs> I think, especially on a hot day, yeah. can you imagine running with those That's beats? Different. You'd be sweating like a, your ears would be melting away, wouldn't they? Yeah. Couldn't think of anything worse. Scott Patrick, sub 50 minute swim followed by an eight hour plus bike uh, on a Cervelo with a disc, full body suit, and aero helmet, naturally. We've definitely controversial. Nadia McLaren's got. Um, uh, people being judgy, judgy about others' behaviour. Sorry, not the best question this week. Don't think it's necessary. Yes, good. Um, Peter Colson, daily Instagram posts of them posing and not actually training and down, uploading walks to Strava. What's wrong with that? Uh, well, Peter has a problem with it. I, I don't do Strava, so it don't count. But in my week, on my mm. Friday, my day off to get my exercise mm. rings, I do an hour walk. Mm. Oh, cool exercise. Uh, Graham uh, McCallum's got intentionally littering when they think they're too special to put their rubbish in their pocket. Mm. That can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. Sometimes, you know, things fly out the back of your pocket, but intentionally littering? Yeah. Dana, Dana Culpa, um, when either right before or, right or after the race, they start listing off all the reasons why they didn't do well. Uh, training fell off. Grandma fell down the stairs. Was sick three years ago. Uh, ate Indian the night before. Dot dot dot. I must really P- Patrick Warrington. Like he's, he's put a photo of me. So where's the love? <laughs> but then he's got seriously though runners uh, who use a phone in their hand and the headphones on. Grr. Now I do that. I've literally running. I've ran a marathon with my phone in my hand. Mm. Yeah. See, I don't find that. A bit, I don't find that being a poser. That's it's just uh, you know what? Because I bought I bought. The Apple Watch with the intention of using the earpods, and then I put my earpods in the wash. Mm. So, oh dear. Yeah. Brian Ashby, this is a good one. Nothing at all. I think it's incredibly supportive and inclusive sport. For the most part, everyone is trying to lift everyone else up. Possibly the least judgmental sport around, apart from this thread. Laugh out loud. <laughs> Disclosure guilty on two counts listed here. I have the tat and I record walks on Strava. <laughs> Some people have the tattoo. I don't mind tattoo. You want to get, like, yeah. It's not for me. It's not what yeah. I do in my life, but it's up to you. Uh, Donna Carl Carl I've done that. Uh, um, Simon Lund, people who finish Ironman under 15 hours. Nice. <laughs> uh, Mark Craig, people that get on the start line of an Ironman but ain't put in the hard yards, so draft off you on the bike. Um, 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 um. Ben Nelson, sharing Strava activities on Facebook. I can almost forgive sharing races, but regular workouts, please don't. Uh, people who don't wave Ben, ben Elchin I like that I, I do I have to admit that one does get me like you don't have to wave but if someone waves at you acknowledge them back oh, yeah. you know like if, you know like 
So is that for anything that athletes do? Isn't you going to give the the wave? You got to be pretty quick on the bike though. Like if, yeah, if someone's waved just chin up. and you're like, oh, the past, I can't do it now. Oh, you're the person. <laughs> that's because you don't do it. No, uh, I give it uh, sometimes just a little subtle raise of the fingers off the handlebars, not a full on you know wave. How you doing? But you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a bit of a waver. Thank you. What's it for you, John? Uh, Scott, I'll do one last. Scott Horns. Honestly, don't give it a thought. I have no time for it. Nor should anyone else. I focus on family, myself, and athletes I coach. I've always loved the fact that the triathlon community is about inclusion, not judgment. So I think some people on this thread just sort of unloaded with things that piss them off about triathlon. It was supposed to be the posy, where the posy sort of things annoy you. And um, there's definitely some valid comments there from a number of people saying, why are we wasting our time on this uh, yep. subject? And, and Mixit's an old readout because he was disappointed and it's important we acknowledge that. He said, lads, what on earth is going on with this question this week? Last week, Bevan spent time talking about how to be a leader and we have to hold people to a random gossip. Uh, it has always been a podcast where you build people up. So we, here's where we've got to... Why is it where we've got to put people down? Who cares if someone is slow, but they enjoy building buying kit? Who cares if someone's got a tattoo? Who cares? Uh, how does that stop anyone else's enjoyment? Well off the mark here, Bevan and John. Really disappointing you. It's not what you taught us care car is about. So fair comment. Fair and, comment. and lots of people backed him up on that. Yeah, no, that's fair comment. Um, so the, way, the where this topic stemmed for me was people when they're at traffic lights uh, and they're on the bikes and they're doing a track stand. It just bugs me a little bit. I don't get angry about it. I'm not disappointed in them. I'm not going, you're an absolute loser or anything like that. I'm just like, just put your foot down. Just put your foot down. The number of people that I've actually seen just about fall off their bikes and one or two have fallen off their bikes through that. I'm just like, just put your foot down. A lot of the other things don't bother me too much. I don't care if people buy the fancy gear and all that sort of stuff and um, and the, the, the slower end of the pack. That's that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's more that posy thing. Show-offs, the Kiwi psyche, if you're a show-off, you're generally going to get tried to be people are going to take you down a couple yeah, of pegs. So school, school you gave the room. example last week, Bevan, of someone at the gym, yeah, you know, just completely posing. Oh, I don't mind that at the gym. Uh, do you know what? It's it's someone who's out running and like a day like today where it's cold, where they've got a mint body, nothing wrong with that, and they've got their top off. You yeah, they just it's not so much posing; it's just like stupidity. I'm like, why are you doing that? Yeah, but you know what? It's, it's funny, really, because my friend went to town last weekend. Oh, my friend's a cop, and he said. The kids in town now, the kids, the kids who weren't particularly young females, are just wearing nothing. Mm. Um, and that's their trend. Um, but, but it's just that kind of, it's so cold, it's like all you think of is the parents put some clothes on, you know, like yeah. it's, you know, so I get it. I, I get the criticism and, and we, we take that on board and it's fair enough too. So, Even, you know, is there anything that annoys you? That, no, that not really. Cozy? I, I'm not. I don't really, nothing really, I'm not an annoyed person, John. Mm. <laughs> nothing really annoys me. I'm, I'm Unfairness annoys me, mm-hmm. you know. That's not really a posy thing, though. Yeah, is it? not posy wise, but mm. if I'm, I'm very, I'm very. It's pretty hard to trigger me, mm. you know, because I just don't care. But if it's ever any, anything's ever going to trigger me, it would be unfairness. But posiness, nah, live your life, it's your life. Mm-hmm. You there know. You go. All right, this week's one. Uh, name who you think are the most underrated pro tri athletes, and why you think this is the case. So we're going to pick them up. Okay, there we go. Give them some exposure. Okay, John, it's a quiz question. Um, I don't know where this one came from. I think I just must have seen a picture of Thomas Hellregel on, I don't know, all my social media channels that I follow yep. every second of the day. Uh, never off it. But Thomas Hellregel, what year did Thomas Hellregel win Kona? So, yeah, I'll maybe go into a bit more of that later on. I don't think I'll, I don't know if I'll get it. I think I'll be close, but uh, I think I'm what get year it. did Thomas Hellregel win Kona? Okay, 
Let's go to Pro of the Week. week. Good old uh, Thomas Steiger. Steiger. Number 48 in the men's pro field. So what's it, what, tell me about him. Thomas Steiger. He's 65 kgs, 183 centimeters. He's 31. He is from Austria. And you don't get a huge amount of these stories these days, but he's an athlete that you know, was an age grouper and then kind of moved into pros. You know, so many of our pros these days have come from highly competitive sports in one of the three disciplines or they've come through a triathlon program, gone short course, mid, long. Yep. Um, but, you know, he's, he openly claims that he's uh, pretty pretty terrible on the bike and if you're going downhill, uh, he is a bit of a joke. Uh, <laughs> he's got to descend very badly on the bike and always hope nobody sees me. He went to the 2014 uh, European Short Distance Champs and won his age group in the 20 to 24 and then kind of just uh, bridged his way through, won the Austrian Middle Distance Champs and. 2016 and then went off to Mallorca uh, and yeah and sort of started into his pro career so he is ranked as we said earlier uh, number 48 he got those points scoring events from being at Challenge Samarin where it was quite a strong field and then interestingly the Canadian Open and uh, Challenge Riconi which is in Italy so when you look at the points system and, and how it works so Challenge Samarin he had a fantastic race he got 79 points there uh, he finished in third place behind Gustav Eden and Richard Varga but he was in front of some very good athletes Mickey Tagholt uh, Kyle Smith uh, Tor Benix Madison um, so the strength of the field prize money makes a big difference he won Challenge Riconi, got 70 points there, and uh, he also went to the World Long Distance Champs, but he only got 18th at the Canadian Open, but he got 75 points wow. there. So that really shows when you go to big money races, you go to strong fields, even if you're points. down the field, um, the points are going to be good. What does that mean long term? It means you're going to have a higher ranking. It's going to mean you're going to get a, you know some money in the bonus pool. It's going to mean you hopefully get the opportunity to get into those PTO races. So um, yeah, I think that's going to become, the ranking is going to become more and more important year on year as athletes need to have a high ranking to get into those races. A bit for a guy like this, isn't it? Because he's won in his career. He's, he hasn't done that well in Ironman racing, but 70.3s he's had, you know, he's won quite a few races of that distance in his career. Um, you know, turning up to the PTO getting 18th, he gets 75 points, which is more than Challenge Riccone. Hmm. But you've won a race. Hmm. You might get similar money, maybe a little bit more in Challenge. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, 18th at the PTO race. Maybe get you five, five yeah, grandish. You think like about that. ten grand or something for a seven put through yeah. one. Um but also the prestige and because he's Austrian, isn't he? So, mm. you know, like the prestige of winning that no people think being a winner has credibility, doesn't it? Totally. You know, and so for his sponsors and the people who back him and, and just the people in his local community, if he just turns up and does like four PTO races, gets eighteen, probably gets more points in the year. Mm-hmm. But you still want to win some races, don't you? Totally. Yeah. So his ranking sort of moved up and down. His uh, highest ranking has been... Uh, so he's 48th now. He got down to 33rd in 2021. So, yeah, look out for him. Mainly at the 70.3s. Then on the female side... Number 17, Jackie Hearing. You can uh, hear Jackie's story from episode 775 of I Am Talk. And the thing about Jackie Hearing... You rank 17th. You're pretty bloody good. Uh, but when we interviewed her, she's too nice to be a triathlete. <laughs> like, 
she's a mother. I think she's got two kids maybe. Um, she's 38 now, uh, 172, 60 kilograms, ranked 17th. She got her point scoring races from 70.3 in Chattanooga, from the 70.3 World Champs and from the PTO Canadian Open. Um, but yeah, she's, she's a good athlete. She's one of those ones. She's normally going to be coming from behind on the, the run. Um, she had a fantastic race at the Collins Cup. I remember in 2021, I'm pretty sure she won her, her sort of match up there. Um, she only finished 14th at the PTO Champs, um, but 7th at the World Champs last year. It was really awesome. She focuses on 70.3s and half distance races now. Um, I'm assuming that's because of kids. She used to do um, iron distance in sort of 2011 through to 2014 she was doing Ironmans had some really good performances some wins won Ironman Wisconsin in uh, 2013 um, tried her hand at Hawaii a couple of times not so good 22nd in 2011 and 29th in 2014 um, probably not the performances she wanted so yeah 70.3 specialist last season her highlights were winning Chattanooga 70.3 um, and definitely a 7th place at the World Champs and again for her um, the Chattanooga race she just absolutely annihilated got 87 points which is um, that's right up there who did she beat on that day quality field that's why she beat Paula Finlay and Holly Lawrence uh, Miranda Carfrey was there Leslie Smith so uh, that was a good performance and, and what's really cool when you read her bio is you know being a mum was important to her and it also has been really good for her perspective of triathlon. Um, you know, it, it is funny. When someone, someone has, I've got a critic, did a criticism of us about why don't we ask men about when they have kids? You mm. know, and I thought that's a fair comment. But it is, I think, I don't know, it must impact the female athlete more. Definitely. Especially the physical side of things. Mm. You know, but, you know, like when a, a male athlete does become a parent, there is going to be more demands on their life. Hmm. Um, but yeah, but she's just kind of said that this perspective, you know, having kids, triathlons are really important to me still. Hmm. But my family's, you know, and it's a healthy perspective of an overall. And this may be a generalisation, but it seems to me that when we've had mother, females who've got kids who are pro athletes, it's often that the husband's still working yeah. as well. So they're going to be fitting their training around looking after the kids yep. uh, and training. Whereas... If it was the other way around, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I definitely agree. It's going to be much more demand on the female than the male. But particularly body-wise. Yeah. On. Okay, uh, so there you go. That is Jackie Herring and Thomas Steiger. Okay, let's go to Coach's, Coaches Corner. So you want to talk about one of the key sessions you always like to do. How far out? Uh, so it's... A half Ironman simulation did my first one for the build up to Roach at the weekend uh, and typically I'm going to suggest people do those between two and four times but in their build up and roughly every sort of four to six weeks and so we're talking once you're in that sort of I don't know 15 to 20 weeks before your main race. So, uh, sorry did you say you did one? I did one on Saturday. Oh. Annihilated it. Oh did you? Yeah, it was nice. good. Was good it just time. by solo or? With? Uh, I'll, talk, I'll talk through that. Okay. Talk through that. So obviously half Ironman um, uh, Two two k swim or there there or thereabouts. What I do suggest for a lot of people and what I did at the weekend is it wasn't practical to go do the swim. I wanted to start you know about five fifteen five thirty in the morning. Pools don't open until seven at the weekends. So the key thing is is to go and hit the bike straight away and not have a warm up on the bike. So I suggest anywhere between a three and five k warm up on the run if you can't go and do the Wait swim. You're confusing us here. So you're saying don't do the swim. I'm saying do the swim if you can. If your time, if you've got time issues, and you so you didn't actually do the swim. I didn't do the swim. Oh, okay. I did okay. a warm up run. Uh, okay. So if your time's not a problem, 
don't have kids shit to sort out and stuff yeah. and you and you've got so, time yeah. in the day go to a 2k swim then get straight on the bike if you can't do that do a warm-up run 3ks 5ks and, so the equivalent of time uh probably a little bit less but the key thing is is you're getting on the bike and you're going straight into your work so there's no pissing around no warm-up it's like you maybe give yourself 100 meters to get into it like you would out of a transition and then boom you're straight on straight on your efforts so going biking 90 to 100k sort of 55 60 miles and then obviously running a half marathon off the bike um have a really good think about terrain and trying to mimic your race con- sort of course as best you can so you know i'm training for rope Road's reasonably lumpy. It's got you know bits of flat, but it's sort of up and down a bit. And so where we live in Christchurch, it's you kind of either got hills or flat. There's not sort of any in between. There's no rolling real terrain unless you bloody go miles out of town. So we, if you're in that similar situation, then you try to um, do some big gear work and sort of vary your cadence rather than just going doing a flat time trial. So I included um, a couple of couple of hills but then the rest of the time going through the ride just trying to go some low cadence work and, and simulate what what you might be doing race day and that might mean you know doing uh, lots of loops so some people just like to do one big loop and don't like to come back through but really try to mimic your terrain your courses best you can uh, it's an awesome opportunity to practice your race nutrition so get that set up make sure you've got a plan uh, and really force it in on the bike um, because you're probably not going to be having that sort of meal two hours before like you might do on race day um, you really have to force it on the bike so I was you know 10 minutes in and I'm starting to slam down all my nutrition straight straight away when you're on the bike uh, practice how you're going to carry your nutrition on race day because um, yeah if you're going to be going down the path of having some sort of concentrated drink um, then you want to practice how you're going to do that how you're going to carry your gels and so on to get everything sort of set up as race ready as you can and then um, make sure you've got a plan for your aid stations on the run uh, especially if you're going to be doing these sessions in the middle of summer um, have a think about your heart rate uh, so know where your heart rate should be look back at your past half Ironman races your full Ironman races and know where you should be sitting Except that when you're doing these simulations, your heart rate might be around about five beats lower than yeah. what it might be. Um, especially, so again, my example at the weekend, t- cooler temperatures, wasn't really that fresh for it. Had a sort of long run on Thursday, so you're going to be, you know, um, probably heart rate's going to be a little bit suppressed. So except that your heart rate might be a little bit lower, and that's okay. Have a plan around your bike power. Um, simple stuff, but I think often people don't. You, you didn't swim on Saturday, but if you were to swim, what would be the strategy in this kind of session? 2K straight. just And just on race pace? Yep. All right, so all of this is basically going at Ironman. So it's a half effort. Ironman at Ironman, Ironman effort. Yep. Um, so have a plan around your bike power, um, but you do that in conjunction with your with your heart rate. So for me, for example, at the weekend, I was sort of going, well, hopefully I'm going to hit around about 225 watts. Um, and then I was hoping that I'd have my heart rate, you know, no more than about 130. Turned out I was able to do a little bit more than that, but always have your power, a power number you want to try to hit. And then you basically check in with your heart rate to make sure you're either not going too easy or too hard. And same sort of deal with the run, you know, have that sort of pace you want to be going out and setting. Um, but if your heart rate's too low or too high, then adjust accordingly. Um, and really good opportunity to practice your run walk. And that's going to be something I'll talk about maybe next week. Um, but if you're going to thinking about doing run walk come race day, this is a perfect place to practice it. So a few tips, um, timing wise, uh, I reckon people should be doing these around about every four to six weeks in that build up. So if I coach an athlete, 
Do you do it in a race? Sorry? Do you get people to do it in a race? Like if there's a 70.3 on or a local yeah. half? And so that might be the, you know, I've put, you aim to do these two to four times. So I'll probably get to do it three to four times. But if I had a 70.3 race yeah. or something yeah. in there, a half Ironman. And you wouldn't treat that like, you'd treat that like a training day? Uh, no, or if you've got a race, you're, ra- you're racing a race. Okay. So I'm going to have, I've scheduled one day in this build up where I'm going to try to get a few people together and we're actually going to try to race a half iron. So that's not trying to sit with powers and stuff. No, that's, that's trying to smash, yourself. smash it. Okay. Um, and that's pretty hard. In a training session when you haven't got, it's not a race, but we'll try to, you might you might hit sort of 95% effort rather than 100, um, but you, you try your best. This is probably the biggest point that I want to get across today is try to be excited for these key sessions and get really fired up for them. So I knew this half Ironman simulation was coming up during the week. And I was really fired up, looking forward to it. And it's the same deal when you've got time trials or you've got really key sessions. Um, some people fear them. Some people maybe don't give them enough attention. Some people don't do them. Some people don't do them. Yeah. Um, like sometimes we have our 10K, 10K race in our race team program. And people go, oh, you know, I'll just go and do a 10 10K. It's like, well, no, there's a purpose for having it in the program. Mm. Or, and it's like, well, it does my head. It's, yeah, it's absolutely really important that you get fired up for it every session's got an objective but when you've got these key ones you need to be fired up and you want to basically be really hitting your numbers and and absolutely nail it and it might might not go perfectly but you've got to learn from that but you need to be mentally you know uh, pumped to get out there make sure you take an easy day the day before so typically a a swim only Uh, it certainly helps to have some company out there so at the weekend um, I had the holy hammer out there with me Uh, he he just sat on my wheel the whole way through the bike which is perfectly fine but just having somebody there um it means you kind of just keep the pressure on a bit yep. more. I, d- I ran the, the run completely solo, and I still would have done the session by myself, no problems, but it makes it just a little bit easier, and you don't always want to make things easier, but just a little bit easier if you know you've got someone with you. How hard is it doing a half? It's been so long since I've done anything else, but doing a half at Ironman effort? If you're feeling okay, it's not too bad. Um, mm. If you're feeling rough, then it's a bit, bit harder. So, because the thing is, you're not tapered for it, are you? No. So for me at the weekend, um, you know, it felt relatively comfortable on the bike. You know, you're getting heavy legs a bit towards the end. Uh, do, do, you, do you plan it at the end of a, like a three week build? Uh, normally, I try to put something like this in an, in an easier week, so you oh, okay. have all your sessions to be easier, so you are a little bit fresher. For this time around, for me, it didn't work that way. I just wanted to get one done. It didn't. didn't so it'd come in your week off, basically. Yeah. Okay. And so then, then you are semi-tapered for it. Yeah. Um, but certainly, you know, when we get through the run, twenty-one k's at that pace felt pretty comfortable. Fifteen. Yeah. Last five had to concentrate a bit. Certainly, legs are a little bit beaten up afterwards, and certainly felt it a little bit on on Monday. Um, did it on Saturday, so but yeah, d- certainly nowhere near the extreme of a, of a race. Uh, what else did I have in here? Yeah, company helps. Um, think about your fueling, obviously for the session, but think about your fueling the the, the day before as well. So you, you know, if you're just going to have a, a really light salad the evening before. Probably not necessarily going to you know boost up your glycogen stores too much, but you know just make sure you have a think about what you're eating the night before. We actually carbo loaded because uh, I put on some drinks and nibbles for for my volunteers on on Friday night from the season. So it was uh, a lot of pizzas and oh really <laughs> and I was uh, I was well carbo loaded. Nice. And then post post workout, make sure you do some analysis. So a few, few things you want to look at: look at your heart rate. Did it stay even um, during the bike and the run? Um, or did it start to drift up and why might that have been? Um, think about was that 
just fatigue? Was it fitness? Was it temperature of the day? So if your heart rate's going up consistently on the run, it may not necessarily be an indication it's a fitness issue. It may have been that the temperature was was cranking up. Um, so really have a look at what your heart rate's done and that will hopefully tell you a few stories about whether or not that sort of pace is going to be sustainable for an Ironman. Both on the bike and the run, look at your cadence um, and see if that degraded at all as you went through, especially on the bike. Um, so cadence is one of those things that you should be able to hold on to all the way through a race. So as you get tired in an Ironman or any, any sort of running event, um, your, your stride length is often going to shorten because you just your muscles are getting so much more tired, but you should be able to maintain your cadence, and that's a critical thing going into any races. Mm. When, you, when you're buggered, just hold on to your cadence. Uh, and then think about what you focused on when the going got tough. Um, so make sure you, you learn from that. So note those things down. Don't just remember them. Think, what uh, when that got tough, what did I do to get through it? Uh, and then also, what could you have done better? So I know for me, on the run, when I was starting to get a bit rooted towards the end on the last sort of five or six Ks, just simply focusing on knee drive and sort of foot placement and my landing um, helped, you know, a number of seconds per K. So I might have gone from a, you know, a four... 20 per k down to sort of a 412 or something like that purely by just having some technique focus so I've got to remember that and note it down for for when races actually roll around and then finally nutrition hopefully after listening to this earlier on you will have had a plan but did you actually stick to that plan and was it enough so um, for me I what did I do in my nutrition on the bike I had a, a full strength bottle of infinite I had a bottle of UCAN I had a uh, one of those goo waffle thingy jiggies uh, and a gel, uh, caffeinated gel, I think that was that was it. On the run, I ended up having three gels and one of my key mistakes on the run was just not having enough hydration and being probably one gel too light. I set up a course that was three laps of around about 7Ks and only had a water bottle at one end, um, really needed a water bottle at both ends. So have a think, you know, for me next time, it's having a better thought out run where I can actually get a bit more fluid in. Remember Peter Reed, his, his strategy on the run was to count to 20. Remember he, remember he said that? And he just basically would count one, two, three, four, two, two, mm. two, 20 and just start over again. And that was his, that was his which I, I wonder how meditative that was. Well, my thing with that, if you start creating little intervals like that that are so short, you've got to be concentrating the whole time. Yeah, that's what and, I mean. And that's why I think mentally, I, I get that when you're rooted and you've... That's a you, distraction in a way, isn't it? Yeah, when, you, when you're rooted, but... When you're on the bike or you're in the early stages of the run, I'm always encouraging people to just let your mind wander and go free. As long as you're on pace and power or whatever targets you're on, try not to concentrate and save that energy for those points. That, that, that might I'm sure you wouldn't do that the whole way through the race, but when you are getting tired, then you go into those little micro segments and it's a case of just get to that landmark, get to that aid station, and then it gets shorter and shorter. But early on, if you're doing an interval session and you're having to concentrate on 30-second blocks um, in like a one-hour training session, I think you're making it a bit hard for yourself. Well, one thing I think is really interesting, and this is why these types of sessions are really important, because I always think high-level people know how to manage high-level situations. You know, you look at like a Blumenfeld. Now, he's obviously, he's been, he knows how to deliver in really peak moments. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not something to fluke. Like, I remember when mm. I did the sport, everyone said, do you think mental toughness is something you're born with? And I was like, well, no, as a, as a teenager, I was a total weak soul. You know what I mean? Like, I had no character. Um, and it's something you develop. And But then if we can kind of narrow that down even further, what we want to think about is, 
what am, you know, putting myself in those stressful situations and learning how I navigate through those situations. Mm. And unfortunately for Ironman triathletes, we, you don't get to have the day that often. So no. you don't really get that big repertoire. Like if, you, if you're doing short course all the time, you, you're, you're probably racing 10, 12 times a year, mm. or well, depending on your level. But let's say you're racing 10, 12 times a year, you, you get those lots of opportunities to practice that moment. And so that's why these training days, sure, good physically, but you are actually trying to learn to deal with the stress of that place. Mm. And, and really what you're trying to figure out is what strategies help me stay focused and get the best out of myself in that moment. And so, you know, these... You know, I'm always just thinking, where's my opportunities to learn to deal with higher level moments? Mm. And and what John was like, I just think for me in my life right now, it's more playing live as a musician. You know, in the last period of time, it's been at first it was extremely stressful for me, and I didn't perform that well mm. because I was so nervous and also, and I would hardly say I'm a great performer yet. But each time I just come along, I try to learn how to deal with it. I'm finding better processes. Post, I do some self reflection, not just on. You know, we'll watch. I'll watch the set, but it's also you know what was I thinking? How was I dealing with it? Mm. And you know, and that's what you know. It's just I'm I'm dealing for a higher level stress moment in my life. What are my strategies? And that's why sessions like this are so important. It's just solo time. You know, it's, there's a huge benefit in going doing group rides, going to 100 miles, 200 kilometer bike ride with others. You get pushed in those situations. You might get pushed out of your comfort zone, but you've got to come back to come race day. It's an individual time trial. It's a constant effort unless you're doing some bloody mountainous one. you just got to get used to settling in, time trialing, being in your own headspace and not having to rely on others. So I'm not saying you have to do these sort of things every week. As I said, you know, every, um, you know, doing three or four of these in a, in a build-up is, is great, um, mixed in with a whole bunch of other things. But um, I always just find this a, a classic session. What's the longest session you do? Uh, probably a 200k bike ride. And do you um, run off that? Uh, probably a short transition run. Yeah. And again, I would love to do more long session, but you've got to keep it practical and yeah. the sense of where it fits in with life. Um, so, yeah, you know, six to seven hours is probably my limit. That, that being said, in this block, we're going to have a, a bike weekend where we're doing two rides of 255Ks back to back, which will be, um, they'll be two 10-hour days, but that's yeah. sort of an exception. So I guess the question is, what will I do versus what would I like really to like do. to do? Five years from when the kids are gave. Yeah. John will become a beast. Yeah. Okay, let's go into, we'll do history lesson. John's history, history lesson. lesson. So we're going to be talking about, which maybe probably doesn't get as much love nowadays, but back in the day, this was a race that many athletes would love to do, the Escape from Alcatraz Triathlon in San Francisco. And I'm basically just going to read something off their website, which had their history. The reason this came up was we were doing our indoor trainer session last week, our little club workout, and I think I had on like the 1996 um, Escape from Alcatraz Triathlon. I think uh, Michaeli Jones won the women's race, and Greg Welsh uh, spanked the boys on the the men's race um, and then it sort of auto ran straight into another Escape from Alcatraz race and I'm pretty sure it was 1989 and I thought that looks quite a bit different uh, and so I thought oh that might be interesting history because in that one they actually swam from Alcatraz Island uh, so they oh, started they really? on the island so not on the boat uh, not on the boat and I thought I wonder what, how this sort of all panned out so the Escape from Alcatraz triathlon triathlons were growing in popularity by the 1980s the sport has made its way to San Francisco where two iconic San Francisco Bay area races 
the Alcatraz swim and the Dipsy race were connected with a bike ride over the Golden Gate Bridge, creating the start of the Alcatraz Triathlon Challenge Evolution. From 1981 to 1989, the triathlon course remained the same, an extremely challenging swim from Alcatraz Island into San Francisco's Aquatic Park, a five-minute run to Fort Mason, and then a bike ride from Fort Mason to Mill Valley for the Double Dipsy Race, the oldest trail race in America that takes you runners over Mount uh, Tamapace and down to Stinson Beach and back. In the early years of the race, triathletes without wetsuits, because you've got to remember back in the 80s, didn't have triathlon wetsuits, and if you did swim in a wetsuit, it was probably an absolute piece of shit. Um, triathletes were, without wetsuits were falling off their bikes from the cold water temperatures uh, into the chilly westerly winds, so race directors added the fire, a five-minute warm-up run to Fort Mason uh, post-swim for safety so they could warm up. The race continued to gain notoriety and in 1989 the triathlon was televised on NBC for the first time increasing its popularity as a bucket list race. This was also the last year that the Alcatraz Triathlon Challenge took place on the original course. 1993 the course was changed to better accommodate the needs of television by having the entire race take place in the city of San Francisco. The 20 mile bike course was reduced to 18 miles and changed, uh, changed to take races through uh, Presidio and up and down the hilly streets of San Francisco and out to Golden Gate Park and back to Marina Green. The 18 mile run changed to an 8 mile run along the Chrissy Field under the Golden Gate Bridge and past several city landmarks down to Baker Beach and up to the treacherous 400 step infamous sand ladder. Since 1995 the Escape from Alcatraz triathlon course has remained the same with the entire race taking place in San Francisco. So the current distances they do are 1.5 mile swim or 2.4 k's, an 18 mile bike uh, 29 kilometres and an 8 mile run 12.8 kilometres. So um, it's certainly always been a swim run more of a swim runners event than necessarily a bike you know the bike's been reasonably short and especially in those early days it sounded like the run was really long um but yeah that's an on a swim 2.4k and it's uh in pretty tricky conditions so definitely a race that i would love to go and do and it's still a massive event and they still get some really good athletes going and doing it every year um Last year, Eric Langstrom and Jackie Herring took it out. Um, prior to that, Ben Canute won it four years straight. You've had Ashley Gentle there. Uh, and, and Andy Potts was a multiple winner as well as Leander Cave. Simon Lessing won it a couple of times. Chris McCormick won it three times. Michaela Jones won it one, two, three, four, five, six, six times, I think. Mike Pig won it a couple of several times. Paul Newby Fraser won it a couple of times. Um, one person that didn't win it was Erin uh, Baker, so I wonder why she never went and did it. Cool race, though. Well, was it, like, because in the day it did get the best athletes, didn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was when, when in America, when you had that USAT series, I assume that but was. I remember Bevan Dockett doing it. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he was based in the States. Well, I'm surprised he didn't. I thought he won it, but he had Gomez won it. But yeah, no. But what, what, are they getting good fields now? Uh, pretty decent, but, but it's. You're not getting home wild there, are you? Well, you know, it's just they're just so limited on how much extra racing they can do, um, because as the World Triathlon Series race, series now it takes up goes, so much, takes up so and much time. Super so, League and so yeah, you look at look at it now, and they're those guys that don't really do the World Triathlon Series now. They're still really good. Ben Canute's really good. Um, yeah, but yeah, you're not getting the ITU stars these days very often. Mm. 
Good times. Love to yeah, go do that well, race. I get it. Time moves on. But it would be cool that races like that still pulled. Like imagine if Alex Yee, Hayden Wild. Why couldn't they be part of like the World Triathlon yeah, Series and, and, um, and just be a bit different? So I've actually got an application in with our council to try to make my Sea to Sky race uh, like a Continental Cup type event, which is... Um, Under World Cup, is it? It's Yeah, so it is a third, third tier race. Okay. And um, it'll be interesting to see if I apply and if I get it. What do you need? Well, I need money, money. to start How with. How much do you need? Um, about 30 grand okay. or so. Um, and then whether it actually appeals to the athletes. Like the ones that have come and done it have, have loved it. So if you get a continental cut, cup, yeah. what level of athletes, because like we had the World Cup in New Zealand, we had really good field, yeah. but kind of second tier with New Zealand star there. Yeah. You know, so... Continental uh, Cup would just be New Zealanders and Australians. Okay, but, yeah. but kind of second tier. Um, well, you get uh, good athletes. Okay. You might not get Hayden Wild, but you get you know, most of the good athletes. Okay. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I just think... Well, I, I love the World Triathlon Series, but it just goes to money locations. I'd just love to see a bit more variety. And as you said, having an event like this, yeah, it's, not, it's not the Olympic distance, yeah. but it'd be cool. It's an, and it's an iconic race. Mm. Whether or not they would want that, the Escape from Alcatraz, I don't know, because you have to cough up a lot of money for a World Triathlon oh, Series, okay. like a lot of money. Uh, and they've already got a fantastic brand. They've got a fantastic event. Do yeah. they need it? No. But, but uh, just for the, the legacy of the sport, we do need iconic races, mm. you know. And I get it because on the on the World Triathlon Series calendar, what are the iconic races? Oh, they're all the same. I mean, they're they've got a lot of history, a lot of them because they go to the same venues. But there's um, nothing iconic about. You don't have a Kona, do you? No, no. You know, no, or, so you or got, in Alcatraz. No, you got Abu Dhabi there, which is there every year, so that's kind of cool. You go around a racetrack. Um, but is that that got, cool? Yeah, you got Yokohama, which is pretty stock standard course. Um, and then a lot of the other races kind of move around a little bit. Hamburg is pretty iconic. Like that's downtown, massive crowds, yeah, like huge. It, yeah. So I'd say out of all of them, Hamburg is probably the most iconic. Leeds was pretty cool. You know, that did go up and down, but that's not, not there anymore. Um, yeah, it would be nice to have some different things going on. Andrea, what's Andrea's last name here? What's her last name now? Um, Hanson. She's retired now. Yeah. Officially. It, yeah. Was it just the last few days? Yeah. Yeah. So did she race on the weekend? No. Okay. So she, she retired before it. Yeah. Commonwealth Games was her sort of swan song. Okay. Yeah. But I just heard an announcement the other day and I thought, oh, this yeah. is the official, official retirement. She was very good. She she won quite a few World Triathlon Series races. She so. was close in an Olympics, but then faded away, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah. She's just that one peg down. So yeah. you've got those rock stars. And if they fire on their day, um, they're pretty bloody hard to beat. She's one of those ones like if everything goes right, a couple of those people cock it up a bit, you're good for a third or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, but she beat most of those. And she athletes. did win a World Championship Series, didn't she? Uh, she won the grand finale in 2014. And I'm not, the reason I know that is because we were in Canada. We were doing epic camp across the, the Rockies and we finished in Calgary and the world champs were... I think that same day that we finished and they were up the road in Edmonton from memory and she won that race. I'm pretty sure she beat Gwen Jorgensen. Um, so she didn't, I don't think she won the series, but she won the grand finale, which is, that's big time. So yeah, yeah she's a very good athlete. Okay, uh, let's go to Winger of the Week. And I'm going to say 78 and it's Dean Galt. Galt, G-A-L-T. Dean Galt from Wellington. Do you know Dean? Dean, is, he came, he's been on the last couple of epic camps. He's off to... 
to Kona this year, a lovely guy, very strong, former, uh, he really would have been on the show um, when we've done some of those epic camps, former New Zealand badminton player in really? his youth. Uh, yeah, so went uh, to the Com- He's got a very Com- proud epic camp photo, look at that. He's got his chest up. Where's that one, that one? Somewhere. That's probably Somewhere uh, going, going up towards um, Milford Sound, just before the home of Tunnel, I reckon, okay. that picture. What number was Dean? Uh, 78, I think he was. 78. Yep. He did, uh, that's good, solid effort because he did Ironman New Zealand a few weeks ago. And yeah, last week, Dean. you see where he did Epic Camp? Oh, no, maybe <laughs> you didn't. Did you know, November, you did one, didn't you? October. No, yeah, 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 yeah. You can see where that happened. Uh, he did, last week, he did one hour 36 of swimming, eight hours, 15 minutes on the bike, and two hours, 31 on the run for 12 hours, 22 minutes, seven activities. He is from Wellington. Raced Ironman New Zealand, and he will be off to Kona. And I think he finished. I think he finished second in his age group in in Ironman New Zealand. Um, but good, strong athlete. Oh, really? So is he, is you say he's going to who are we going, going to Kona. Nice? Oh yeah, good point. Maybe he's going to Kona last year. Can't remember. Anyway, what age group? Dean, I'm going to say Careful. is probably fifty to fifty-four. I would say. Oh, based on his photos, I was going to say forties. He's, he's older than me, and I'm 40, going to 47 this year, so he'll like be right you. on that edge of somewhere <laughs> in the fifth, around 50, I'd, I'd be guessing. Uh, good support of John, the Mountain Snail Hancock as well. I know that uh, the Mountain Snail was down here at the weekend. Uh, he was doing a little swim run event. Um, yeah, you can definitely see where Dean cranked it up on Epic Camp, and he's a bit of a beast on the bike. You know, he certainly gave me a couple of spankings there at times. Uh, yeah. I'll be interested to see, Solid. maybe someone give us some feedback on this. People who have qualified for Nice, how have you found the experience of the logistics? Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we've had a few people come on and say, what's the difference between the race and the race the race in the past? But, you know, if you, let's say you're qualified in Ironman New Zealand and you're planning to go to Nice. What's it been like in comparison, especially if you've been to Kona? Because you've always talked about Kona's a mission. Mm. Will Nice be similar? No, it needs to be straightforward. You think? Yeah. Keep yeah. Um, Kiwis, no, not cheaper, but everywhere else in the world, yes. Those Kiwis will get screwed. Yeah. Screwed, John. Screwed. these days. Bloody hell, Effies are insane. Are they really? Mm. Mm. Insane in the membrane. Okay, Jombo, let's go to uh, questions and answers. But it's more about, did you, did you swim this morning? I no. did swim this morning, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll do that in a second. What we've got to do our question of the week. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to say... So what so, year did the question was what year did Thomas Hellregal? I think it's it's even ninety five or ninety six. I'm gonna say because the record was written in ninety seven, and it was, remember it was who, who was the guy Van Leer? Luke Van Leer. I'm pretty sure he broke the record in ninety seven. It sat for a long time. Yeah, you're right. And so, and I think Thomas was before him, mm-hmm. and Luke won it twice. Mm-hmm. So did Luke win it the next year, or so I'm gonna say ninety five. I think you're probably right. Because I'm pretty sure 94 was the last time Mark Allen won, and that was when he ran down like a 12 minute deficit to Thomas Hellregal. Yep. Uh, and so I'm pretty and sure. And while she won it, was he 98? He, he, he might have been 94. It's, it's a, you're, you're exactly right with your, your years because you've got to think Mark Allen won it, and how many times did he win Ironman? Six. Six. Yep. So he won 89? Yep. 1991. He won you after 93. He had 94 off. That's right. Oh, and I reckon so he came back and he did 95. Oh, okay. So there must be 96. So I think Welsh won at 94. Okay, there you go. 95 yep. was Alan, maybe so, 96. And, he, and then Van Leerman, the next two. 97. And then Peter Reid came along. Yeah. Okay, let's pull it up. 
So Ironman World Champions, Ironman World. No, I've got, I'll, I'll race you to it. 1997. Oh, really? Where so we did have been there, wouldn't it? It must have been 98. When, no, I think Van Led won it in 96 because that was the year we went to Cleveland World Champs. Yeah, 96. Wikipedia is always good to look at for this one. So Hal Regal's Kona record that's on PTO at least is second in 95, second in 96, and first in 1997. Oh, so I got it wrong because Van Led didn't win it twice in a row. I thought Van Led won it twice in mm. a row. No. So 96 was the year he came he along and just smacked it out of the park. Yeah. And it really, at that time, like I know nowadays we're seeing like close to 7.30, but that was freakish at the time, wasn't it? It was mental. Yeah. And, and, and even it was, you know, it was a good 10 years, 12 years before they, well, it was a long time before they got close. It wasn't really until Craig Alexander, which was, hmm. you know, 15 years later, 16 years later, hmm. managed to beat that time. And then so okay, so that's where I cocked up because Van Nier didn't win it twice in a row. He threw me off. Yeah. We no, were in the in the right ballpark. Nineteen ninety seven. So he won that race. He swam a fifty three oh eight, rode a four forty seven. These days you go, oh that's pretty it must have been a tough year. He ended eight thirty three. He rode a four forty seven and then wrote, ran a two fifty one. Who's the slowest cone winner? Sorry, well, just, who's the slowest? No, uh, taking away the far. first few years, so let's say, let's say when it, once it went below eight thirty, so nineteen eighty six was when well, Dave year, Scott the did eight thirty. The year you did it was the slowest year, wasn't it? Two thousand and five. Uh, Ferris, not Ferris did. No, I did two thousand and four. Then it's been settled at eight thirty three. Eight thirty three, eight thirty three. Eight thirty three is going. That's that's. No, no, Dave Scott. Well, Dave Scott did eight thirty four and eighty seven. Yeah, it's going back a bit. Yeah. but <laughs> yeah. they, he did eight twenty nine. Eight the year before, mm. but basically, yeah, from that moment forward. But Mark Allen did an eight oh nine. It was an eight oh nine and eighty nine. It's impressive. It Different re- quarter, what year? Eighty nine. Yeah, this different course back then. Yeah, I'm not saying it was any easier. I'm just saying it was a different course. Also for Mark Allen, so Dave Scott, he took twenty minutes off his PB in that, in that Iron War. Mm. Yeah, that was epic. That was epic, wasn't it? It's not so big nowadays, is it? What's not so bad? Well, you know, when I first came to the sport, they never shut up about the Ironman. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was them and Rick and Dick Hoyt. That's yeah. all you ever heard. Yeah. No, it's still pretty big, I reckon. Not quite as big. No, but come on. Like it was like, yeah. you, like I remember doing Ironman New Zealand, they showed the Ironmore. <laughs> you know, like it was like, it was, you know, they showed that. And it was the tripping over at the finish line. It was 83, whatever that was. Yeah. They had that, the Ironmore, and Rick and Dick Hoyt. And yeah. they, and, and God, those three events sold yeah. the sport for 20 years. Absolutely. You know, agree. whereas now it's, it's maybe not so big. John, oh. swim set from this morning, I've got to say, it was about a three out of 10 swim. It was a bit of a struggle. Oh, oh half Iron Man killed you. Yeah, 400 warm up, uh, 75 freestyle, 25 back, 450s build ups to get the old arms moving over a bit quicker. And then the main set was twice through, five times 200 moderately hard, getting 20 seconds rest, 100 easy IM. And 650s bands only. And then warm down, and that was it. About 3.5k. 5 by 200s. Jeez. Not fun. That was a bit of a struggle. The definition uh, of not fun. So got through it and was within a few seconds of what I wanted to do. But if I needed to go any harder, it was not happening. Anyway, good to get a swim in. I went to the bloody pool yesterday. And it was went, went to Waltham, which is our outdoor pool. Closed for the season. 
Probably should have read the sign the week before. That, yeah, that does help. <laughs> yep, definitely. That, that when they tell you something, you should actually listen to it. I was very tempted to get in the water because I have a key. Because we do our, we've got a club room there, and we do our sort of strength and conditioning there. So I've got a key. I can get in. I can go for a swim if I wanted to. You get in trouble, thought, wouldn't you? That would probably not be a good. Moment. When I was a kid, one time we used to have they used to have um, the West Preden School mm-hmm. pool, and it's a really big pool. I think mm-hmm. what happened was back in the day they put the wrong pool in that school, right. and uh, so it's got this huge pool, and everyone knew to go to that school. And one summer, me and my mates just, just jumped the fence, mm-hmm. and we we jumped the fence, and we just about jumping. My mate yells, "Don't jump in!" And they had a sign saying, "Like the chemicals in you get burnt," kind of thing. I, right. I don't know what it was. Um, and literally, luckily, I made it done that because now I don't know how bad it would have been, but yeah, you know, like it was pretty scary. Okay, uh, you got a you got a website here. Uh, yep, mentioned that earlier on. Obstry.com If you want to do fantasy picks, I did my little picks this morning for the Oceanside seventy point three. If you love that sort of stuff, it's a good good point scoring system. Okay, let's go on to our patrons. Brian Hellraiser Hagen. We've got Jennifer Triple Jump Edwards and John Tipping Point Ennis. If you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. Uh, go through the process, support us and what we do. Uh, if you want to get show email to you, put on the front page, go there, coachjohnnewsome.com for his coaching or epiccamp.com for the epic camps. When is it, France, the next one? France, Alpe d'Huez is in 2024. Oh, next year. Mm. Have you got one coming up? Uh, we'll go at Rote and then I'm just deciding whether I want to do the Kona camp next year in June. So if you are interested in going to Kona 70.3 in the camp, amazing camp, not 100% sure if I'm doing it, but uh, if you're interested, get your name on the list. Okay, show interest, and then uh, that's cool. Anything from me is bevanjamesowers.com. Uh, age group of the week, cool websites, other feedback, send it to imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, your goss. I'm off to Wanaka today, five-hour drive. Oh. How do you break it up? Fairly uh, pie? Fairly pie? That's a good question. It's going to be a mid-afternoon pie. I don't know what our strategy hey, will be there. lunch. Yeah, that's a good point. We're leaving at lunch. So we'll, we'll see about that. Fairly pie. Fairly pie is good. I think we might have to do that. We Our, our strategy is Joe always wants a coffee from, tell you what, go to Baker's, Barker's, Barker's in Geraldine. Geraldine, yeah. Because you get your coffee. Free there. tasters. Yeah, but they give you <laughs> drinks. Right. Free drinks. <laughs> 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 I thought it was all happening. <laughs> <laughs> we've been here for an hour. It's time to go. <laughs> in the toilet. <laughs> so they got that. So Joe always gets a coffee there. Mm-hmm. Fairly pie. We don't really even stop at Tepo. There's too many stops. You just stop on all the blades. We have one stop strategy, and that's yeah, it. You got you got to stop. You make uh, the most of the trip. One stop strategy. Yep. Uh, bit of annoying news, I tell you. On, Here we go. Uh, when was it Sunday? Had uh, went out for a little bit. But had a little bike ride in the morning, and one hour only had time for like a one hour recovery ride. Yep. When I left the drive uh, out of our driveway, turned left, ran over some plastic. It's a bit annoying. What's that plastic sort of doing on the yep. road? Came home, had a shower, had to go out to uh, actually a memorial service for my father. They had these um, uh, lions thing that he was part of. Oh, cool! And so going to that, and I had to pick up my sister. And I've actually, I actually inherited my dad's dunger of a car. Nobody else wanted it. <laughs> wasn't worth selling it. And it was kind of handy. I don't really use it because we're a one-car family. But, but it's, it's useful to for yeah. to have a second car. Kids are have to use it when they drive. And that was the rationale. Yeah. And I'd use it for events because it was pretty. It was just a beaten up Subaru. What kind of car is it? Oh, it's a crappy old Subaru. Okay, yeah. Subaru Forester. It had dints all over it, and but it was good. Good for what it was there for. And then oh, it was a bit of rush, rushing out. Go out the front. Car's not there. Oh no, the car's been stolen. Cockpot had uh, stolen it. And it's the second time it's been stolen from outside our place. Has it been insured? And I'd, I'd, I'd literally only about a month ago the insurance would be handed over. Uh, I'd, I'd sort of done the ownership changes yep. and things like that. And I was, gonna, I was getting the insurance and I was thinking, 
really only need third-party insurance here. Oh, no. um, but then I went to do it, and I thought, well, the actually difference between third-party and full insurance isn't that much. Okay. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll do the full insurance. And it was for an agreed, agreed amount. It was, yep. it was five grand. Yep. And the car, if I sold it, you'd you be lucky paid. to get 1500 yep. And so, yeah, coughed up the money, paid, paid the insurance. And so then the car's stolen. I'm not actually that upset. I'm a bit annoyed because... But now you're starting thinking money, aren't you? <laughs> and Thomas, it's basically Thomas has got the car lined up. And so I ring up Belinda and Thomas said, the bloody car's been stolen. And, and, and we're like, oh, that's a bit of a pain. And then I, I thought, oh, did I do third party or did I full insurance? Went and checked, it's full insurance. And I thought, oh, five grand. Oh, this could actually be a real win here. <laughs> Thomas got real excited because he wanted to get a stick shift. And he's like going... And then went to the service on the way home, got a call from the police. We found you've got your car. It's, been, it's running in Wollstone. It's still running. Somebody's hotwired. And, and, and they said, it doesn't appear to be any damage. And all of us just went, oh, <laughs> now it's going to cost us money because we have to pay an excess and it's just going to get the piece of shit back. So what ended up being annoying, ended up being happy and then being sad. It's like, oh. So that was uh, Sunday, and that was a bit annoying. It's funny, isn't it? Mm. But I tell you what, we live in a pretty decent neighbourhood. Oh, yeah, it happens everywhere. Our car's been broken because when we moved into our house, we couldn't get our car into our driveway, and so we had to park on the street, and it got broken into a couple. It never got stolen, but got broken yeah. into a well, this couple. Got stolen. This is the second car this car's been stolen, and my father-in-law's car's been stolen, like, directly outside our house. Yeah. Um, bloody kids never leave anything in it no no yeah. don't do that yeah they and I have like, a steering lock on it as well so I don't know how they got that off oh yeah, probably, yeah. They, you know, put a screwdriver in it <laughs> it's given us lessons <laughs> yeah we're not <laughs> selling cars <laughs> oh, so good. that was that Ben what's happening in your world well I had an awesome week last week actually because Counting Crows uh, and, you and know Michael McIntyre oh my god he was actually really good you know what was really funny? He's brilliant. And he's brilliant because he just does it kind of he's middle of the road. Like he's not he's not an extreme comedian, but he does everyday observations very well. And one of those observations was, you know, when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you ask your partner? And it's kind of like, how do you sleep? How did you sleep mm-hmm. last night? Mm-hmm. So he did that and it was a really funny bit. And then the next morning, Joe and I woke up and we didn't know what to say to each other because you know it's kind of like the obvious thing. Uh, but he, yeah, I highly recommend and Cannon Crows, it was like one of my favourite bands of all time so I knew I'd done my homework I listened to the new album um, but it was a sitting gig yeah and, and that was a bit of a bummer that was probably the only bummer but have you been to the town hall recently no I've not been there since it reopened yeah. our town hall got rooted in the earthquakes and nowadays big concerts don't hit back in the day like when I, you know I remember going smashing pumpkins here mm. and I thought it was Massive and it's such a small venue, mm. you know. Now we've got we've got a, it's not called Horncastle anymore, but they've got a, a, a stadium where kind of seven to eight thousand people will go mm. for big concerts. So I went to the Killers there before the end of the year, and um, it, so it's quite it's only two and a half thousand people. Mm. They don't, it, it's it's a band. There's no screen, mm. you know, but just awesome, you know. Good. When you've got a band, you can tell they all like each other. It's the original mm. band. Mm. Amazing musicians, and you could just tell they've played together forever. Mm. I can goosebumps thinking about it. And you know, some of the songs are, are defined, life defining songs for me, and uh, just absolutely loved it. So, if, if, if you're a fan of theirs and they come to your town, and, and obviously they can't pull a big crowd nowadays, so they can't get 8,000 people there, mm. but in many ways, it's an even nicer thing because it was just, yeah, I absolutely loved it. But I tell you what, because I had quiz night Wednesday night for the boys, mm. Michael McIntyre Tuesday, quiz night, that, and then I stayed up and watched the league on Friday night. Go the Warriors this year. Oh, mate, the league on Sunday was. Did you watch it? No. Oh, it was. They're playing so well. They're not giving up. So, 
I was rooted by the end of the weekend. <laughs> I was KO'd, so I'm glad to have plenty of early nights this week. Anyway, John, you've got to get out of here. I have uh, Iron Russ. I'm your note. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. Car.